1: Hey guys, this is Doug Aldrich with the Dead Daisies, and you're listening to Cobras in Fire, and Rock is Not Dead.
3: You're listening to the Cobras in Fire podcast, featuring special guests from Lynch Bob Dawkins and now Dirty Shirley, guitarist George Lynch. And from Revolution Saints and the Dead Daisies, we have another guitar player, Doug Aldrich. (laughs) is <laughs> and Fire. What? Uh, I I was do, doing do you want to go? I don't care. What? Yeah.
4: What? You want to uh, go?
3: Uh, I want to uh, go. Uh, let's just say what's what we did. We got going on here. What's up, Luz? Uh, uh, what's up, Baco? We got some interviews today, man. Double shot interviews. Kind of a Frontiers Records uh, promo pack here. So yeah, man. Why don't you tell tell the people how this this came about? We have a couple interviews today. The first one is from George Lynch, who has a new project coming out on Frontiers Records called Dirty Shirley. Dirty. <laughs> In this interview, I can expose that he talks about why he finally decided to take on a side project. Uh, (laughs) Doug Doug Aldrich, of course, uh, from, you know, he's with his big project, The Dead Daisies, but he's also in the Revolution Saints. They, too, have a record coming out on January 24th from Frontier's records. But uh, the opportunity to talk to both these guys came up, and it's kind of neat how we ended up putting it together. Uh, I took the George Lynch one, and you took Doug, and we were recording... You know, almost one after the other. It was right around the same time we were if we were doing it in different time zones. Yeah, man,
4: that was that was uh, the most challenging part is figuring out how Pacific Standard Time works. <laughs> it really was.
5: <laughs> is but it but a yeah, man, or
4: eight a.m. that I am interviewing. George? Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was good that we all figured it out. But no, as soon as mine was done, yours was done, and we we're like, yeah, we're we're done. So we've never done a dual interview at pretty much the same time, overlapping with uh, two different artists, but. That's no, pretty cool. Lynch is up first on this episode. Mm-hmm. What's kind of some highlights or some things that you covered?
3: Well, we obviously get into the new record, but we talk a little bit of Lynch Mob, his often on-again relationship with Oney Logan over the years, um, a McBrown update. Um, Why his, else like that? His, uh, his uh, relationship with Don. Uh, and, of course, the Lynch Mob docking his tour in the summer, so we get into that a little bit. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty good. I think people like it. What about uh, Doug? What can the people expect from the Doug Aldrich interview?
4: Well, I'll get to that in a second, but also just to throw it to you. Now, this is basically between Lynch and Jakey Lee. Is there any other guitar
3: heroes from the '80s that were kind of your inspiration? No, those. That's one A and one B for me. I mean, there's a lot of guitar players that I liked a lot. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's kind of like a god to me, but I wouldn't consider much of a. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't a guy that that I drew a lot of inspiration from. He was more like it's almost like he's more like Michael Jordan. Like I could never do that. So, uh, right. But you know, th- there's a lot of really you know talented guitar. players players from that time but these were my guys so yeah this was kind of big for me
4: yeah exactly one and two done who who knew would you have the young bako could you have ever imagined interviewing both of these guys
3: yeah I, I, he just uh, i went back in time told him he ran into the closet and started jerking off right away <laughs> oh my god I'm all not right sure what so... he what he, what, uh, what he used for uh you know uh, inspiration but he got horny <sighs> Uh, I'm not sure how to transition from well, that. Well, how but anyway. about you, uh, Doug Aldrich? Uh, he was, uh, if you went back to 15-year-old blues cannon and said, <laughs> I'm going to be interviewing Doug Aldrich in my mid to late 40s. I would have said, uh, well, at the time I would have said who,
4: because he was in the, the band Lion, yeah. not the white version right. back in the time. But no, in all due respect, Doug Aldrich, guitarist, uh, Doug Aldrich, super cool, nice guy. And he, for those, um, here's, here's a little bit of his, is basically his resume, and that is he's been in Do, he's been in White Snake, he uh, currently is part of the musical collective, the Dead Daisies, and his side project, which he actually refers to it as Revolution Saints, has a new album this month as well. So, and that that album is called Rise. Now, the, I will just say that that the highlights for me on this was really getting down to what the hell is a musical collective because Dead Daisies is run by this like multi-millionaire named mm-hmm. Dave Lowey. And he gets into that. He talks about uh, uh, pretty much if he if he agrees with the term hired gun, and it just just bounces around his career with some pretty in depth, uh, engaging stories throughout his career.
3: Right on, yeah, I loved it. Uh, I think he did a great job. So I think the people are going to dig that too. Doug has uh, quite a fascinating career, and you're right. You know, he he knows how to give an answer to an interview too. I think you had two questions total in over 40 <laughs> minutes, so. at one point. Uh, I think I had five. Yeah, no, I can't. Of course, no. Doug was great, man. Yeah, so you want to get into this or what? Yeah, let's let the let's give the people what they want. And that which isn't us. So, so here is the first Cobra double
4: shot interview, and that is George Lynch and Doug Aldrich. <laughs>
3: to the program. George Lynch, of course, from Dockin' and Lynch Mob. How you doing, George? Hmm. Just well out of bed. <laughs> it's not normal for me. I'm usually an early riser, but I had a
6: clinic uh, last night in San Diego. I live in Los Angeles, northern Los Angeles, so it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive each way. Okay. And the uh, four of us went down from ESP and um, left at noon and didn't get back till three in the morning. All right, well... Uh, well. You know, an hour an hour of music and... Um, um eight hours of driving so um i didn't roll out of bed on time so i'm playing catch up here with, with you and i apologize but uh. no problem uh it's, it's a lot <laughs> like
3: being on tour one hour of performance and eight hours in the car
6: yeah yeah that's why i tell people when we play places i like, you don't pay us to play that's the easy part
3: yeah <laughs>
6: it's the travel you pay us to get here
3: no doubt uh, well, you never seem to be short of anything going on, obviously. Dirty Shirley, your latest effort, comes out on the 24th of January here. Um, plus, I see that uh, Lynch Mob is going to tour with Doc in this summer. Do we know who's going to be singing with, with Lynch Mob? Uh, Oni, He's back. Yes. Okay. You know, touching that just real quick, he's in and out a lot, but he keeps coming back, so I assume it's never really on bad terms?
0: Eh, you know, not,
6: <laughs> not bad, bad. I mean... You know, it's just, I'm just sort of like, we operate that differently. I'm, I'm more of a, I'm not saying one way is good or bad or right or wrong. I'm, I'm more of a just, you know, roll up my sleeves and, and get the work done and do it efficiently and cost effectively. And, and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and only is more of a kind of like a, like a seventies guy, you know, where he's just a, a free floating and, you know, like a hippie, and just kind of, oh, you know, take our time and do, you know, get some inspiration and we'll see what happens and play with life and have party and have fun and all this and that. I'm like, okay, but, you know, so that creates conflict sometimes, you know. Uh, and and uh, we, we sometimes agree just to put, step back, you know. Okay. But it's never anything, they don't. Right. while it's or anything too weird. It's just kind of like, eh, I'm going to try something different this time around. For instance, on the the, the new Lynch Mob record that I'm, I'm working on, uh, Oni's Not Singing on it. It's, uh, I've got Joe
3: Retta. He hasn't... Uh, that's not a name I'm familiar with. He's, he hasn't been on any of the other records, has he?
6: No, no, I have never worked with him before. Um, other than uh, an independent project uh, that I did with uh, someone. He's He was the singer on a song that I wrote and played on. Okay, uh, But has not been released yet. Um but he's wonderful. I mean he's uh I not mean, in that Oni world. I mean he's uh you know very bluesy, very soulful, you know, he comes from that, you know, that cut from that Al Green, Paul Rogers mode, you know, uh Retha, you know, all the great blues, oh, okay. Soul Singers, you know. He's fantastic.
3: He's really, really good. Any uh, uh any idea when that would be coming out or mm,
6: I'm going to put it at. I'm going to put it at early summer.
3: Okay, so 2020.
6: Oh yeah, yeah. That's so a kind of a, you know, just a, a rough stab. You know, it could be, could be later, but right now it's looking like um, you know the record's all written um, and uh, recorded as far as the music, you know, and it's just in Joe's hands at this point, working on the vocals. Okay. Then it'll go to mix, and you know, it's a couple months process.
3: The uh the Lynch Mob Docking Tour is gonna be a fun one for the fans. Um, do you do you anticipate performing any songs with Don?
6: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's part of the that's part of the per, uh plan is for me to go out at the end of the night and uh um do four songs.
5: Okay.
6: Yeah, uh, so. and you know, obviously Lynch Mob isn't gonna be doing any docking songs in our set, which we normally do, quite a few. Sure. It's gonna be just a straight lynch mob set and then Don comes out and does his docking thing and then I come out at the end of the night and uh, you know, we could kiss and hug and make up and everybody you know, it's a love. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well I remember you guys were on um that metal show together <laughs> and it seemed like you were kind of teasing that uh, a reunion was somewhat imminent at that time, but if I recall, if memory serves me right, that you were a little less committal than Don. Do I have that... Am I remembering that right? I just Didn't you guys kind of tease a reunion that never really came to fruition on the metal show?
6: Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, um, we... Yeah, I think... Right, yes, you're right. Um, I'm sorry, because we, we've done that a number of times,
5: <laughs> and
6: I think there's probably a little bit of... Some elements of the band that feel like it's the second coming of Jesus, and it's really not that. Oh,
3: so I guess
6: have an inflated a, you know perception of how important this is to the universe. It's not really that critically important, so <laughs> um, be realistic. so you know, anyway, so uh, what we did uh, obviously do something uh, some some a uh, very kind of a uh, I was gonna the reunion light, I guess. Um, that japan you know, we, tour we did, we did we went to japan and uh yeah we did the south dakota show we got yeah. the record with a
3: new song so that, did, that, yes. that south dakota show was kind of a warm-up correct yes yes and it, was ron keel there uh yes he was he, he
6: <laughs> i guess he was working with uh that the uh, promoter
3: yeah no he lives there too uh still but uh oh okay um you know i just uh on the a couple things in the docking thing on the uh, this is a, a more of a nerd question but that under lock and key uh album cover you know it has that kind of like cut out docking logo uh did, did does anybody own that is that like was that a prop made just for the photo shoot or did someone did don take it home put it in his garage Hmm. <laughs> or do you have it?
6: I wish I had it. That'd be yeah. awesome. I put it on my over my front porch. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't have any idea. I don't know if that was even a real thing.
3: Okay. Also, well, I guess, you don't remember the photo shoot, huh? Uh,
6: I remember the photo shoot because there was an argument within the band about and the management as far as wearing those dumbass costumes, but <laughs> I, I, I was not wanting to do that i was kind of kicking and screaming and finally the the manager cliff bernstein called me up and said george you're gonna wear the fucking costume shut the fuck up and just go get down there and do the photo shoot and um <clears throat> he was like that you know yeah he, when Cliff said jump he just said oh, hi so okay but i was of the opinion that you know we shouldn't be dressing up in silly suits and shit like that you know Everybody have a different color, and you know, look like the same outfit that Molly Crew had and Rathead. You just pretty sad, you know, because the same guy made all the stuff, right? oh, really? and they were obscenely expensive. And I didn't think it would stand the test of time, but oh well. It actually did, though. I think he was right. You know, it was pretty cool. All
3: right. You um, uh, you used to wear a, like I think it was red, might have been green, but uh, a t-shirt that just said balls on it. Uh, where can I get one of those? <laughs> I always wanted working. it.
6: You want to take that question out of context? Where can I get balls? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, was that a brand or what was it?
3: What was it? Yeah. I have
6: no idea. I mean, you know, it's
3: just. You I just like wearing a shirt that said balls? I loved it. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not curious. Sometimes when you do drugs, you do stupid shit. Oh, okay. What can I tell you? Uh, no, I thought it was cool. I, <laughs> I, I wanted one. I thought, you know, rocking around my farm town, but, uh. uh
6: yeah, I, I think just having to, you know, I just have sort of a tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic sense of humor, so and I like just doing stuff that's just a little slightly thought-provoking and funny, so, you know, you can usually, uh, uh, convey, uh. So there's a, a little entertaining, quirky message on your whatever you're wearing. You know
3: why not? You, know? yeah. you just do you still have it? No. <laughs> uh, you know, on, uh you've done. You seem to have softened on your stance towards doing stuff with Don over the years. Was there some kind of like uh, I don't know formal arrangement or just uh, basically just time healing all wounds? I suppose I don't know how to phrase that better. But you know, you guys have definitely had your issues with each other.
6: Well, you know, this would be. Very honest, I mean, our, our, our bottom line issues were always um, uh, really business issues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've all been around the block a bunch of times now. And, and we're, so, you know, as far as personally, we're fine. You know, we, we, we enjoy each other's company. We can hang out. It's, we're good on stage. It's, it's fine. I don't, we can write. We can work together. But it's just, you know, the business has to be right.
3: Yeah. Okay.
6: That has to be fair.
3: Well, you would think so, but. um, And what's going on? Could you have any news on Mick? I know he just kind of—is he actually just retired? I think he took a chunk of time off,
6: with the intention of coming back. Okay. You know, but he had to had to heal his his psyche and his body, and you know, I mean, drumming is hard. Yeah. (laughs) You know. Well, yeah, everybody's getting older, you know? Yeah, and he's a hard hitter. He's been doing that for how many decades? And, you know, and it's not like, you know, some drummers are, that are machines like that, you know, they Kenny Arnoff or somebody, you know, they, they, they work out, and they do karate and kung fu and they stretch and they have this really disciplined life and this diet and don't drink and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, was make, it makes not one of those kind of people. So, you know, it was really taking a toll on them. And uh, he was just hurting everywhere, you know, and, um, and he had a few scary episodes and um, there were wake up calls, you know, so mm-hmm. it was like, a, you gotta, and he did something dramatic and drastic, which I think was probably what he needed to do. And from what I've heard, he's looking great now, yeah. you know, so we're good. He's healing up and looking fantastic, looking a lot younger and got a lot more energy. Um, you know, you know I am a mix an old friend, and I want to see him happy and, and, and be enjoying himself. And, and it seems like he's gotten back to that place now, which is incredibly important. So what's the point if you're not enjoying yourself? Right, no, enjoying no doubt. Like a, sort of on somebody else's agenda.
3: Hey, do you remember a, a feature that was done on you? It was either in Guitar World or like Guitar for the Practicing Musicians um it was uh it kind of showed some of your tricks and one of them was that you were using like a can opener on a les paul for a whammy bar do you remember that at all i, I remember really? yeah it was like and i tried to do it like uh, the the picture didn't really explain it very well i was kind of curious what it, how it would even work yeah you had like one of those old school can openers that was pried in there and they they kind of described what you were doing
6: I have no recollection of that, and I think that it had to be a joke.
3: Yeah, I wonder. Well, I mean, I was young and naive. I mean, it really could have just been a tongue-in-cheek thing that I just didn't get, but... uh...
6: I think maybe it was a reaction or response to, like, some some other guitar players like Gilbert and Van Halen were doing the thing with uh, power tools and stuff like that, so I thought, okay, well, I'll do that, but in a more primitive (laughs) fashion just to make fun of that, you know? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know Vice so, scripts okay you know I don't know I but like it I, I'm just guessing because uh, I don't remember uh that might just been kind of spur of the moment. Oh, let's just grab this can opener over here and say something funny
3: about it. Michael Sweet, who uh, obviously you know you you know very well, he's been on the show a few times. He's a guy who likes to keep busy like you, too. Um, I really, really dug, the, and a lot of people did, uh, the first Sweet and Lynch tour. Did, you guys never managed to put out a live show or even like a little short tour or anything. Uh,
6: well, you know, with those projects, it, it comes down to um, logistics and financial viability. Mm-hmm. Far as being able to get it out there on the road um because you know you can't just you can't just pick up and go out and go do shows you know we, we've been versus kxm and some of my other projects have been offered things like that you know we put out a record somebody gets excited you know a promoter calls or somebody and say yeah, you know you know want we'll to pay x amount of money to come out and do uh, you know, uh, Rock on the Range, for instance, mm-hmm. kick some rock on the range and something in Japan or this and that. And, you know, there were good money and everything, but it was like, OK, but think about it. We have to build a crew. We have to make sure all of our schedules are, are clear, which is which is Lynch Mob, King's X, Corn, and all the other things we're involved in. So we have to find a spot that we're all mutually able to free up, which is almost impossible because uh, we're all doing ten, ten different things, yeah. And then we have to come from you know three parts of the country to get together, build a crew, put everybody up, get into a rehearsal situation, and then we have to relearn all these songs that we've never really played because we created them in the studio. Okay. Each song created in one day, every two years doing a record. So we got we got a, a period of time of six years that we wrote thirty five songs, and we've got to pull twelve songs out of there and go okay do we remember how we played these no nobody remembers anything so we've got to kick these things apart dissect them and internalize them and get that muscle memory back and learn these things like we've been playing them all our life that's not easy to do because they're not easy songs they're they're kind of complex you know a lot of them are complex and, and, and hard to figure out hard to perform so um so that's a lot of prep work and that takes a lot of time and money. So you talk about maybe 10 days of rehearsal. Okay. So that's with travel, that's 12 days. That's, that's two weeks right there. Okay. Okay. Now you got to go out. Okay. Let's say you got this one offer. Okay. That's not going to cover that two weeks of time that you just spent renting a studio and flying people in, putting people up in hotels and rent cars and pay your commissions and your crew and, and your time, you know, you just spent two weeks, of which you wasn't, you weren't doing something else. That's half a month, and you're not making any money. So then you go, you do your one show. Well, that just paid, babe, babe, if you're lucky, all the expenses for that. So now you have to add other shows. But what's the chances of getting a hold of an agent saying, okay, we have this one anchor date. We need to build around it. Now you've got to find promoters that are willing to book shows on weekdays with a band that nobody really knows around that one anchor show. And no days off, because days off cost you thousands of dollars. So you got to, you know, what's the chances of that happening? That, this is very difficult to pull off. That's
5: you a pretty know, detailed a answer. Reasons,
6: <laughs> for, for a lot of different reasons, which I won't get into, but it gets much deeper than that. And we've had three or four failed attempts with KXM to try to pull this off. And we okay. got very close. Uh, we got very close for 2019, and that was yanked out from under us at the last minute. Um, but we were about ready to go out and do a winter 2019 run. It almost had it. Figured out and uh, we had the dates uh, dates were being booked and so forth and time was cut out and uh, something happened and we were able to pull it off but it's very challenging so that's what kxm where there's somewhat of a demand for among some people to to see that succeed and get out there and tour it um but with sweet and lynch you know it's a little bit harder sell a little bit even more challenging because they're like well, why don't I just go out and do lynch mob? <laughs> okay.
5: Because yeah,
6: you're playing for the same promoters, the same crowd, but it's almost why do this, you know? I, I mean, you know, Sam is different because it's a different thing, you know? But for some of these projects that I do, which is almost kind of lynch mobby, but just with a different singer, you know? So it's like, okay, well, it's sort of redundant,
3: you know? Does it ever make you reconsider doing so many different projects?
6: Um. Well, I always know it's the wrong thing to do, but I do it anyways because I, I like to. Okay. I like to write, and I, I love being in the studio, and, and I love playing with other people and, and making what I think are interesting, fun records that matter a little bit to some some people, and um, I just, I would really just stay, it. I'm a studio creature, I would just stay in the studio forever and never leave. Well, <laughs> I all right, I nothing
3: wrong with that, if that's where your you yeah. heart is at, you know? You have yeah. uh, really done a lot of uh, different types of projects, too, I mean, well, well, shit! Your um, the Lynch Mob, the the rap metal one, the Smoke and Mirrors. Oh yeah,
5: yeah, Smoke this, Yeah. Uh,
3: I, you know, I saw that tour. Uh, you guys did, did you came through the, the Twin Cities here? Um. Uh. Anyway, uh, did you? That was a real big step out of the box, especially for Lynch Mob. Did you ever think about calling it something else? I know you've joked that people have said it's Lynch, Lynch Biscuit, <laughs> but.
6: Right. Well, I, I, you know. Uh, Again, the, the dilemma with that was um yes, absolutely uh was never expecting to call it Lynch Mob, because uh, it wasn't. But it was the only way I could sell the project to the okay. label. And they insisted on it. And they go, Well, you can keep your you can call it something else and put it out and sell it out of the back, you know, you the trunk of your car. Or you can call it Lynch Mob and have a record deal, put a gun to my what am I gonna do?
3: That three song E P, how do you pronounce it? That or syzygy syzygy is, what is that a, is that a word that uh, what does it mean is it made up or uh,
6: the astral alignment of three common celestial bodies along a common axis exerting a compound gravitational force uh, on a fourth object
3: I not you've been asked that question before. <laughs> I used to read the dictionary. Oh, man, you had that right what off the top the of your word, head. That's man. pretty impressive, man. <laughs> uh, yeah,
6: it's, uh, a, it's actually a, 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 in some new age circles. It's considered a, a thing that affects, you know, affects us and can affect us in some ways. It's otherwise known as the harmonic, harmonic convergence um, when that event occurs and um uh, and uh, feeding off that, I came up with a project which I never actually finished, but uh, it was actually Jeff Pilsen and I, one of our joke projects, and uh, we called the band the Harmonica Virgins, <laughs> and we're kind of a Lilith Fair, lesbian, new age band, and, you know, it's a play on words with the Harmonica Virgins and the Harmonica Virgins,
3: so, anyways. that's That, was- <laughs> that is a deep pun yes uh well done uh before we get into dirty shirley i did want to ask you um you're you're not over the years you know following your career you you haven't really been known as someone uh to get into a lot of political discussions in your music or just in in interviews and stuff but you haven't really held back on the most recent administration by some of the uh, the quotes i've seen out there um why why the sudden change why get out there now i guess
6: Uh, It hasn't been a sudden change for me. I've been a political animal for...
3: um, I meant outwardly as as an artist, you know. I mean, I haven't really seen it in your music much or or in interviews.
6: Um, Yeah, you've got to be careful with interviews. Uh, You know, you can alienate people, Mm -hmm. but you can be afraid to say what's truthful and important. And, you know, if you have have an audience that can give a responsibility, even if you don't, everyone has a responsibility to be a participant in the process and to be aware and to, you know, edify and educate themselves as to what what the truth is so we can base our decisions based on something rational rather than, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I have been an environmental active and, and, and politically active person for most of my adult life, um, and it's been a very challenging thing for me to Incorporate uh, my worldview into my music because mm-hmm. I'm not a singer and um, most for the most part not a very good lyricist you know being a lyricist is being a poet ideally and i'm I struggle with that I'm not a natural poet okay. like all, or, and other people I work with like mm-hmm. London, you know but I just have You know play play with words like an instrument so um they are profoundly uh uh committed to you know pursuing the truth and uh doing what i can do in my small way to make the world a more just and fair place um so i'm I'm very uh progressive in my politics very liberal and um and have been um, uh, very active in envir- environmental circles, uh, but uh, on a musical level, uh, it's been challenging for me to incorporate those ideas into my music because, as I said, I'm not the one delivering the message.
3: You know. Yeah, I get it.
6: You know, I think. In other words, if I work with a singer that doesn't feel like I do about things. No, what am I going to do? Ask them to say something that they don't believe? Sing, sing about something that they don't believe?
3: No, that's valid.
6: Doug is more of a libertarian on lots of issues, Doug Hinnant. So, you know, he'll he'll write songs about, you know, gun rights, which I completely, absolutely oppose. (laughs) But I have to get up there and, you know, I'm part of the process. Okay, we're doing a video for a song called "Gunfight," where he's holding an AR-15, talking about, you know, they're coming to take our our guns. I'm like, what? Oh, Jesus. You know? Um, and that's not me, you know? So I, I have a problem with that, but, you know, understand people have different viewpoints, but, uh, not to be calcified in my things and I can't be convinced that you know, and I, you know, I know I don't know everything. And, uh, so I'm, I'm open to, you know, being, have, being a free thinker. I would like to improve on my stances if, if, uh, if I'm wrong. So, Um, uh, but there was one record that I did that I was actually very, uh, uh, involved, passionately involved in the writing. I wrote almost, uh, I probably wrote 75% of the lyrics on shadow on the shadow train record. Okay. It's not a record that, you know, garnered a lot of attention, but, um, it was the soundtrack to the film that I worked on shadow nation and, uh, I actually uh, came up with all of the, the uh, again, a majority of the vocal uh, melodies and lyrics. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but I was just, you know, very agitated and motivated and I gave a shit and it was, it came from the right place. You know, I just um, couldn't stop. It was just, you know, and that hasn't happened before or since on any record I've worked on. <laughs> So um, the problem is, I just can't sing very well. So I get very frustrated. In my head, I'm I'm Aretha Franklin. And then, as soon as I open my mouth, I'm you know something else, I'm a frog. So uh, it's very frustrating. But I do hear it in my head, right. and being uh, able to get that idea across and get it to a real singer, sometimes we have good results. But and, and that happened in that case on that record.
3: Well, let's get the dirty. Shirley. It comes out on January twenty fourth on Frontier Records. Was the name uh, it just kind of taken from the drink, or is, is there a story behind that? Oh,
6: uh, just sitting around, uh, looking around the studio. We need a name for the band. I'm thinking, why do we, why do we beat ourselves up? We, the thing is, I do all these projects over the decades, and like we come up with these dumbass names that are initials, and you know, the, the least creative, lowest common denominator denominator choice we could you could possibly imagine you know nothing cool nothing anything no vibe to it it's like kxm or tnn or you know sweet and lynch i'm like oh jesus god can't we do better than this so uh i was, you know i'm like you know just name it anything and i was just looking around i had this wall of amplifiers and one of them was a friedman dirty shirley i call it that right. and i'm joking but i submitted that name to uh, the singer and the label along with two other names and that's the one they picked not knowing it was an amplifier
3: oh okay i didn't know it was an amplifier i've, I've heard of the drink but that was it
6: oh i didn't know about the drink yeah
3: um i love the record by the way i i, just, I listened to it a couple times this week getting ready for this uh it might i don't know it it, it it's it's a little different um I kind of see it it's, it's, It has a lot of lynch mob vibe to it, but it's almost got a little bit of a dream theater, and, and I don't know, hopefully I don't piss people off. A little bit of Led Zeppelin, maybe?
6: Yeah, it's got all that. I mean, all my records have a little bit of all that. I'm about dream theater. I'd say I'd say a little bit of Evanescence in there.
3: Okay, well, yeah, fair enough. The, the oh, songs the are kind of the epic. There, there's have... a lot of long tracks on here.
6: Yeah, there's that. you know... I, I, I'm really bad at self-restraint. You know, the, what, You know, I, some of these people I work with, they're like, well, you know, could you leave some more holes in the music, or do you ever breathe? And you know, <laughs> Like, silence is a note, and i got to learn that. I'm still trying to learn that lesson. It's very dense and very, you know, epic and, uh, you know, sort of, you know, hey, what happened to a three-and-a-half-minute song, you
3: know? Yeah. No, I like Hey, it's all good with me, man. I, it, if it works, it works, and it definitely d- uh, did on this self-indulgent album.
6: Self-indulgent was the word I was looking for. It seems like overly <laughs> self-indulgent. <right? laughs> I apologize for that. It, it did,
3: didn't come across that way, but uh, um, the second half is really strong, honestly. Siren Song, Voice of a Soul, um, Cold and Escalator. These are all killer tracks, man.
6: Yeah, I guess, you know, we, we, we being older guys, We I, you know, I, we're – Sort of building these albums like people are dropping a needle. You know, we can't get, we'll never get over that. You know, I just that's the way I, I imagine people are listening, even though they're not. So, try to build it, uh, try to lay out a record so that it builds.
3: And you got the the video out there for "Here Comes the King." Uh, it you're you're embracing the the gray. I see George. What are
6: you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. You got, got to the point where just
3: it was disingenuine to,
6: you know, I, I, did, I saw a picture. It was on, I saw, I saw some picture on Instagram or something of some band, you know, our age guys, all people we know. And I looked at this picture and they were kind of lined up and I went, every one of these guys is wearing a wig. This guy are all dyed. And I got, it looks so artificial. You can tell their faces that there's nothing wrong with getting older. Why not? You know? And so I think, you know, fuck this. It's, it's starting to look silly.
3: You know, uh, specifically, who are you talking about in those pictures?
6: <laughs> oh, I, it's all of us, including me. Yeah, in my, nah. <laughs> in my recent past, you know, I was just like, wait a minute—that's
3: uh, obvious. Uh, oh really. man, the the guitar tone. No, every every record you've ever done, it you can definitely has that George Lynch sound. Um, this one, though, the the, the guitar tone itself is—I I would describe it more dirty than distorted. Hmm.
6: Um. I think I was. Uh... You know, I well. There's a lot of variety on the record as far as guitar tones. So I, you know, there were p- points that I was uh, um, going for something that was a little more wall of sound, thicker, heavier, and sometimes more way backed off. You know, just chelly through a cut little combo. You know, tweet or something. You know, just try to paint different tapestries and you know have a, a better comp sonic complex you know creating more sonic complexity and make it interesting um and serving the song because there's a wide variety of styles on the record so yeah one guitar sound for all the songs you know so everything got changed up in every song
3: do you have a favorite track on the album
6: no no i just uh (laughs) come on I, I, i like a lot of things about a lot of the songs and um I would say I there I have some personal misgivings about certain aspects of or portions of all the songs you know that I didn't feel maybe um you know I quite I didn't quite evolve the composition to you know finishing it where it was I like could put a bow on it and say okay this is perfect you
3: know sure well well how about from your career is there a record that you're most proud of
6: I would say just generally without thinking too hard about it um wicked sensation Nice, uh, because everything just sort of came together on that one by design and by luck and you know we seemed to be firing all cylinders on that one where the writing just came together very organically the chemistry was magic uh we had the wind at our backs with the whole you know docking post docking machine energy and fan base uh, it was you know we were at the right place at the right time and we had the resources think we
3: you know
6: did the best record we could possibly do yeah
3: it's a killer album
6: um <laughs> and then, then, then on another note the, in another way um kind of a very underserved attempt at something i did was called stonehouse that was in the i believe the late 90s and uh it was an ep i did with matt from uh, saigon kick the singer from saigon kick and um we were kinda of holed up we were holed up in a barn in northern California out in the mountains and the hills there. And we we built a studio and, and did this very organic, kinda of trippy thing. It was just kind of bowie esque and it's got all these other kind of elements. Really a departure. Similar like Smoke This, where well, that was kind of the rap metal thing. This was mm-hmm. something else, you know. Just, uh, it's very valid, and I love I loved that record. And it never really... I don't think we actually commercially released it, but that was something I was very proud of. I was just listening to that recently and I'd forgotten about it. So hmm. I think they're re-releasing that, actually. So.
3: Cool. I'll definitely be looking for that. Um, when was the last time you... What was the last record you would have recorded kind of that all-in-the-studio-together kind of setting? Uh, KXM. Okay. you got, So fairly recently, then. That's that's, that's cool.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. KXM, uh, KXM is always... We just get in the studio and we, we go nuts. We, we write. We don't have any preconceived ideas. We just write at the moment. Cool. And every day we have to re- re- uh, write and record one song. And we got
3: 12 days. Do you like kind of this modern uh, advantage where you can use technology and you can all record separately? Or is it just kind of like that's what you do because it's kind of how it has to be, but you prefer everybody together?
6: Well, it's whether you like it or not is really moot because it is... <laughs> yeah, I mean we do it because we can, you know. I mean, if it, or, or see, so, you know, the the the, uh, the Dirty Shirley record wouldn't exist if it wasn't if we weren't able to use that. Uh, for, yeah. <laughs> guess, like,
3: Sweet
6: no Lynch, Lynch too, right? Uh,
3: correct. Okay. Yeah.
6: Do yeah. you? Well, you know, Sweet Lynch was done more like a band, um, except for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, Michael, um, uh, Brian, and uh, the bass player. Uh, Lomenzo, they were all in one, they were in our studio back east, right? Yeah, so they worked together, and it, you know, it was a, it was a almost a band record, yeah, you know, done in the more traditional sense. A,
3: a, a, kind of a joke question Have you ever turned down anything, uh, Frontiers? I think it's Serafino has, has offered you.
6: Uh, I don't remember. I, I yeah, yeah, there, there's been some offers. I mean, that. They weren't projects. They were just deals that I just felt weren't were, It wasn't worthwhile. Okay, um, you know, on a business level to pursue it was too much work for, too little returns kind of deal. But you know, um, not because the, you know, it wasn't interesting to do, or not because I didn't want to do it musically. No, never for that reason.
3: Uh, well, well hey, man, like I told you when we, when we first got on, this was a pretty big honor for me. I really appreciate you taking some time to, to talk on all this stuff. Honestly, I, I I when I started prepping for this, I, I realized I was going to get out of control if I didn't try to... Well, you said self kind of... What was the term you used? Uh, I had to dial myself back, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. yeah right, so. right, right, right. Not, not to be too self-indulgent.
3: Self-indulgent. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just like, there's, there's I'd love to have you back on sometime because there's not a really... I. Have haven't really tapped into maybe a, 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 even a portion of what I really want to get into your career. But uh, you're a fascinating yeah. dude. I, I, I love your music. Uh, any any parting shots?
6: Well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, at, at my age, the, the the only thing I could say is that, you know, you at this point is, you know, I just hope that I'm able to say something that matters and not for my benefit or because it's me, but just because why the fuck was I put on this earth if I can't do something that matters? So. I'd like to think that I'm doing something that's for the good, you know. And uh, you know, my, I just, you know, I give a shit. That's why I do what I do. Cool. So, and uh, you know, I, I do, I, I do take it personal a lot of times when you miss when I miss the mark. You know, it hurts because I feel like I've I've let people down. You know? <laughs> so every every record I do, like this, Dirty Shirt
3: record is an attempt
6: to, you know,
3: get it right. Well, Which I, I think, probably never will. But <laughs> I think you got it right in this one. I pre ordered it last night. All right. Appreciate the time. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. All right. Uh, good luck with the Lynch Mob uh, record and tour coming up this summer uh, with Doc and people look out for dates on that. And uh, talk to you later, George. Okay. Take care. Thank you.
2: lc at cobras and fire and i am talking today with doug aldrich how are you sir great i'm doing great yeah so just to to start off now the revolution saints have a new album rise that is coming out on what date
1: uh revolution saints comes out i believe it's january 24th it comes out okay um but you have to double check with frontiers music on that one if you would and uh yeah, so we're 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 uh, excited to get that out there to the people and and uh, hopefully you know people will enjoy it.
2: Just a quick quick comment. The first two tracks that jumped out at me are the title track "Rise" and and "Higher." Um, so I was able to listen to a stream first. Now, is there obviously you know you, you always like all the songs you, that you write, but if you're going to give like a another. Track or two to, to feature to get people you know into the album. Is there any other tracks you'd say is kind of a gateway drug? Um, I I like to leave that to the people to pick because I mean sometimes like you know
1: what I like is not necessarily what everybody else likes. But um, I I, I, I do really like closer a lot. I think that's a, it. It reminds me when I heard the demo, it reminded me of a chord progression that I had written for another band, which we'll talk about later. But And I immediately loved it. I loved those chords. And so um, that's one of my favorites. But the the whole album's got a great flow to it. It's It's a really positive, uplifting kind of album, which is good for these days right now, you know?
2: So currently, like you just did on the intro, Dead Daisies. So you are—you yeah. both have Revolution Saints and Dead Daisies going out at the same time. I guess my question there is: How does Revolution Saints kind of get together to record? Is it all? Do you actually go into the studio, or is it all kind of remote? Um, well, we did—we did do
1: the uh, second album. We did together. We tracked it together in Italy. In um, I guess that was two thousand sixteen or so, okay. and or fifteen. I can't remember, but. Um, or 17, <laughs> what it was, but uh, we we did do that. But this time we definitely had different schedules going on, and and um, we we basically did it the electronic way, new the new way, which is, you know, we would you'd have a demo, and then you track the drums to the demo, and then the then the, the drums come to me and and Jack, and we can do our individual parts, and then the guys get together and, and sing. But um, the thing is, is it it's that's the only way we can do it when when dean and i are full members of the dead daisies and we're right. very busy with the dead daisies um revolution saints isn't isn't you know it's, it's a project it's a session that we do so we're basically um doing this for the you know it's a one-off each time we do it you never know if there's gonna be another one or not but we do it for the fans that like the music and Originally, I, after the first album, we didn't tour or do anything as a, as a real, you know, kind of a, a band would do. I felt kind of not super excited about doing the second album. But then I, I got messages from a lot of the fans saying, you know, we really enjoy the music. Some people, like, I, it really uplifts my day when I'm coming back from work or, or going to work or whatever. It gives me energy to work out or two or something. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I, I like that, you know? So that's kind of how I justify doing a, a project when I'm not, when it's not really a band, you know?
2: Okay. So I, I guess with that said, you know, the Dead Days is a, a music collective, I guess is the term. But uh, in, in that situation, at least on, on Make Some Noise, which is my favorite album of, of the bunch it looked like that pretty much everybody wrote together would you say that's kind of for the most part true like all the songs yeah. are yeah yeah that's true that's absolutely true okay. okay so so in that situation are there song ideas that you come up with or like you know this is just not gonna sit for the dead daisies and it's better for revolution saints i don't i don't really think about it too much i just kind of put put, put
1: ideas down that i like and then and then I'd plan for the guys with the Dead Daisies, like, you know, I would play uh, riffs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily come up with an entire song and I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't try and write lyrics for, for somebody like Glenn Hughes, who is now singing. Um, but uh, I just would, i send out riffs and maybe some, some vibes of songs in it. And it, if, for example, with Dead Daisies' record, we would all work on it together. There was a song that came out last year called Righteous Days and I had started some music on that and Glenn took over with it and did his thing and David Lowy and, and Dean um, helped with the music as well. So it's, it's really an a old-fashioned kind of band. Um, with something like Revolution Saints, um, the songs are pretty much generated by Alessandro Del Vecchio. It's, it's really, he's a huge, he's the, he's the fifth Beatle kind of thing, you know? Okay. But he's the fourth saint, and um, so he, he starts. He starts off with some really great musical ideas, and then we, we kind of go from there, and we'll put in our own two cents. And sometimes we'll 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 change a part here or there, and it becomes a band song. But um, we, you know, we're not in the same place writing together or anything like that. I sent a couple of ideas to uh, Jack, and we were working on those, and then we took we decided we had enough songs like that on the record already and we put those on ice and he had a song that he wrote with, with um, that they wrote with Tommy Shaw Eyes of a Child and we thought that would be a great song to close the album so we just you know it's, it, as it being a project and we're not together in the same place you kind of just you kind of just try and help out with what direction it has started and see if you can finish it off
2: and the whole like, I talked to Karate earlier this uh, well actually last year at this point. And uh, at that time, he actually was still in the Dead Daisies uh, at that time. And the whole musical collective, now I know it's David Lowy. He basically one day decided he's going to start a band and, and pretty much grabbed, if I understand right, just grabbed musicians that he wanted to, to be part of, of that band, but also kind of that it would be a constantly, a rotating kind of thing. Is that accurate? An accurate statement? I, don't, I think it's, it's, that's
1: kind of the, what people, that's kind of the, the word on the street, but it's, it's actually in reality, it's quite different than that. Cause David played in a couple of bands in Australia when he was, you know, in his college years and his, his, his dad, you know, wanted him to, to focus on the family business, which he did. And he put down the guitar for a while, for a long while. And then, I don't know when it was exactly, but he formed a band with a, a singer called John Stevens and they, they were, they had been writing and doing gigs in Australia. And um, I think John Stevens was famous in Australia for being not just a singer, but also like a, an actor or something. But anyway, okay. they made a band, they made a band and they needed a name. And John Stevens had, had been, you know, partying a little too hard one day and went to the doctor and the doctor said, you, you, you better cool it or you're going to end up pushing up, you're going to be pushing up Daisy soon, you know, kind of like in the, <laughs> like in the grave. And so that's how they got the name the Dead Daisies. And then they, they were looking for musicians to collaborate with, and, and they started off, somehow they met Marco Mendoza. And Marco mm-hmm. knows everybody. If you're going to throw a rock and roll party, just call Marco, because he knows everybody. Okay. And David, David had expressed interest um actually he had he had co-written a song with slash and john stevens and um they, they really liked the direction you know that that sound of the, the song is called lock and load
2: yep and, first um, album, right
1: yeah and and so eventually you know john stevens decided to to go his separate ways and marco said hey Oh, and by the way, they got uh, Richard Fortas, who had been in Guns N' Roses, and they got Dizzy Reed into the band. They also collaborated with some other guys on doing sessions: Daryl Jones from Stones and the um, um, singer of the background singer of the Stones. Um, I- I'm spacing on his name, but he's—I'll uh, get it in a minute. But anyway, they got they got a pretty solid lineup with Brian Tishy and and Richard Fortas and Dizzy and Marco and David. And then they needed a singer and they discussed John Karabi. And I didn't even know about the band really until then. John Karabi came in and I know John, I, I know John since we were in high school and they came out with the song Midnight Moses, which was really the first time I really took notice of the Dead Daisies. And it was like, this is a cool ass band, you know? And by the way, John Caravi used to play Midnight Moses when he was in a band in, in Philly when we were kids. And it was like yeah. a great, it was like a great song that, that nobody, that everyone forgot about through the 80s. In the 70s, it was a big song, you know, in the clubs on the East Coast. And then in the 80s, like nobody mentioned Alex Harvey band and that riff. And I thought, Krabi, what a genius to re- resurrect that riff with, for the Dead Daisies. And then somehow or another, you know, um, Richard Forrest got hurt in a motorcycle accident really badly and they had asked me what I'd fill in. And I, I had already committed to Glenn Hughes for a tour and I, and I said I couldn't, um, but I passed on a couple names and they got through their tour. And then eventually the um, N' Roses decided they were getting back together, as you know, in 2016. Uh, uh, 15, 16, yes, and um, that's when I got the call. They said, you know, we, were, I know all those guys were friends. The only person I didn't know was David, so it was like, and Richard actually said, "Why don't you get Doug?" You know, so it's just kind of a natural thing. So it's not so much like he didn't, he didn't actually grab as the people as much as Marco said, "Hey, these guys are cool. I think this would make a good band," and it did. I thought that they, I thought they, it was a great band with Fortis and Dizzy. And then I felt like Make Some Noise was a, was a, you know, David Lowy really didn't really, I mean, he loves Dizzy, don't get me wrong. But he wants, he, he Australian, he's like heavily into Australian sound, which is like um, Rose Tattoo and, of course, ACDC and stuff like that. And there's no keyboards. The reason that they had keyboards is because John Stevens, the original singer, wanted keyboards. So they decided, okay, Make Some Noise let's bring in Doug and we're going to have a, you know, a more guitar oriented sound. And we wrote together and did that. And it was, it worked out great, you know? And then eventually Brian decided he wanted to do some other stuff. And we went on and we got Dean. I had worked with Dean and Marco knows Dean really well. So it's just like bringing in friends and it's more, they use the word um, collective, but it's, there's an old fashioned word for that, which is how Deep Purple actually started, which is called a roundabout. So it'd basically be like, you know, yeah, come around, come around my house. Let's write some songs together. And that's kind of what it was. It was like, who, who's, who can we get to play? Who's around today? And they, they happened to be in the studio at one point and they, they Charlie Drayton was in town at, uh, and they needed a drum track and Charlie Drayton came in and did the session. And it's just, it's very seventies oriented kind of thing, you know, but he, he didn't necessarily grab the guys as far as like, Hey, let's get this guy. Cause he obviously could have gotten much more famous people than me to play guitar. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, a guy from LA and I've been fortunate to play and be in some bands, but it's because of the relationships that were friends. That's why we were, we were kind of doing it. And that's what we continue to do. I mean, Glenn, Glenn coming in is is has been amazing. I'm so excited about the new the new stuff. Um, but uh, of course we're missing John and Marco a lot. You know, I mean I went to the airport to go record the record. It was just it was so weird to be in an airport without Marco. I'm so used to looking down at the at the shops and seeing Marco with a bunch of bags in his hand after he went shopping, you know, he's getting ready to go on a tour and he's shopping at the airport for his his clothes. It's awesome so, but Glenn has come in. He's, he's just killing it. It's definitely, he's, he's really, really awesome. And I'm super excited for everyone to hear it. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Now, at least you, um, you got the kind of idea of how it kind of just naturally has progressed as opposed to uh, some, there there is, like I said, word in the street is, is, you know, David Lowy is a, a successful businessman he can afford to basically just grab anybody he wants but he's also a really talented guitar player and i'm i I say that because um i got you know i just like to be I, i need to to give him credit because you know working on this newest record um with glenn we i put my guitars down first david was there we tracked together and I, I, it sounded really good. And then I went and cleaned up my guitars and, and put them down wherever I needed to again. Then David came back and, and put, put his guitars back in the mix and fixed up his guitars. And it was like the tracks came alive. It was really cool. He's just got a thing that's a very useful, honest approach to guitar that, you know, a guy like me, I, I have my, what I do. That's what I do. I, I, can't, I can't play like him. I can't play like, you know, Eddie Van Halen. I can only do what I do, but he definitely adds a sound to the Dead Daisies that's that doesn't get recognized as much as it probably should. So that's why I wanted to kind of give him props.
2: No, absolutely. No, I appreciate you going into detail there because that's there's just a concept that uh, that makes a lot more sense as far as the connections and things like that. But it's kind of not the image out there, and it's uh, so it's a little confusing. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, no worries. I mean, you know, there's it, it, always there's always different aspects to the way bands go and, and come together. And of course you, you want, you want guys that are good and you want guys that are known or you want your friends, you know, and it's kind of like, it goes like that. I think for me, I, I was really enjoying being off the road after I left Whitesnake and I was just really happy to be home with my son and just I was starting a new relationship and it was all good. And then I so all of a sudden you know, because of friends, I'm like, when Marco called me, I was like, I love Marco. I'll I'll do anything Marco wants to do. So it's like, yeah, I'm in. Let's write a record. Let's, let's see where it goes. I had no idea we'd be as busy as we've been. And, um, and you know, now Marco, uh, John decided he wanted to kind of focus on his, his, his stuff directly, mostly at the moment. And, and then, Marco as well has really always been, whenever Dead Days was off the road, he's always doing solo stuff. It really works really hard.
2: Dead Days is one of the few few bands that actually is kind of a, let's just call it a super group, for lack of a better word, that actually works. It's like over the 1%. And now it makes more sense because it's more of a natural uh, development. But I do have one more question on that, and we'll, we'll uh, jump to Revolution Saints, and that is that, uh, there was a concert I really wanted to go to, but missed, and that was when White Snake was touring with the Dead Daisies. Now I don't, I don't have my timeline in front of me. Were, were, were you in White Snake then, or already in the Dead Daisies at that point? I was, in,
1: I was in neither at that point. Really? Um, okay, that's interesting. It, yeah, it was. Um, I was, I was off the road. I had left White Snake and was doing a, a show with some buddies in Vegas called Ray the Rock.
2: Now. Oh, yep, yep,
1: and. Yep. In the beginning, that show was was really it was a big production, you know. It was like in a big theater, and they said to me, "Hey, I was still in white snake when I joined, but when I got there, they said hey, you can bring your concert rig and you just you, you live in the hotel. You got you know these sh- sh- suites that you live in, and food's comped and everything. I was like, this is like a paid vacation to go play guitar for three right. hours a day. I, I love it, and." Yeah. And I, I did it for about a year, but I just got burned out on that. And then I started taking gigs, you know, then Glenn Hughes called me and said, hey, I want to do a tour of just a trio and I want you to play. So then I kind of started doing a few gigs. But I was not in Whitesnake or Dead Daisies, and I heard about that. I thought, that's so cool. In fact, I saw David, I saw them, they, they, they went on um, David Lowy's jet together. Um, David huh. Lowy has, has a jet that he travels because he's basically got, you know, during regular business times, he's, he's got to be all over the world. And then, saying Dead Daisy's times, he also needs to be all over the world. So he's got a, you know, he's got a way to get there at any time. And so White Snake was on the plane. I saw pictures of it. And I thought, oh, that's cool. These guys are hanging. In. But I would have liked to have seen that show too. It would have been cool. I want, you know, it's kind of, it was cool because like brian and rockwell we used to be in white snake and to be supporting white snake was kind of it would be like a big family you know gotcha
2: i thought maybe that was a transition or meeting the guys in the, the daisies but uh, during the tour but interesting We so weren't in there weren't in either band at that time okay i i, I have seen radio in the rock Vault i think that was the time that uh uh b snyder meant, decided to, to mention something about about that show for a call yes
1: yeah he, he mentioned about me he's like you know this is- why is this guy up on a billboard? You know, isn't he Whitesnake? Isn't he, 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 and I was in Whitesnake at the time or I had just recently left, but <laughs> he, right, he just, he just he, he's a nice guy, I'm sure. He just made a comment, and I just want—I just wanted to put it straight that, you know, I had been in Whitesnake for a long time and co-written a lot of songs, and we would perform those songs live, and I, I should be allowed to use the Whitesnake name. A lot of people, you know, only know Whitesnake from the current lineup you know like right. there's a lot of kids that are a lot of kids that are discovering Whitesnake and they only know Whitesnake the only guitar player they know is, is Joe Holster and Red Beach they don't know about me they don't know about Sykes they don't know about Bernie Marson so now red has been in the band 20 years or whatever I mean he's even though he's not an original member he should be able to use the that he's from White Snake. so I just was right. yeah. saying yeah. that so but anyway oh. it was all good it, he, I, right. There was another little side story to that too, is that Krabi and Dee used to have, a sh- and uh, who else? Um, um, Bruce Kulick used to have a show in Vegas called Monster Circus, and huh. it it was it was kind of a similar thing. Um, was a different song list, and it did I, different... I would have
2: loved to see. I would have loved to see that.
1: Yeah, it was um, Bruce Kulick on guitar. John Karabi singing and playing guitar. D would come in. He was kind of the superstar of that lineup, I think. And it went on for a little while, and then it faded away. And then Ready the Rock Vault came, and I think it it may have been a little bit of a scorn in, in those guys' sides. You know, mm-hmm. me and Carrabi talked talked about it a lot, and he he. Um, but John karabi is he did, he's so non-confrontational about everything. He's just like, oh, whatever, man. It was cool, you know. We we had our show and you guys had that show but as i said after a year of doing that show and being in vegas i got i got severely burned out and i needed to i needed to start writing and doing stuff and that's um like i said that's when i started to look at you know some offers that were coming in The daisies was one of them and i'm now i'm full-time daisies um and stuff like Revolution Saints comes around now and again. It's really fun to do Revolution Saints because um, it's a different style of music that I think, you know, a lot of people miss it. And we, we happen to do it pretty good. And so it works out. You know, it's a session and we can get people some music that they like to, you know, uplift their day.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely uplifting music. One other thing too is I'm sure you're familiar with the movie Hired Gun, correct? Yes. Would you could you know you've had such an interesting career where you're you've been a D.O., been a White Snake, um, you know you've you're you're, you're all as an active musician. Would you is that a term that you like? Would you consider yourself in that zone? Would you, would you be good to be in that movie, for example?
1: I, I wouldn't have done it myself just because I didn't consider myself a hired gun, really. I mean, okay. There were, were there have been situations where uh, well, like, I was in Dio, and when I was in Dio, it was the band Dio. I was the guitar player, and I co-wrote and co- and recorded with the band. Um, sometimes, in a hired gun situation, you're just hired to go on tour. You didn't even play on a record, you know? And, and Okay. Other, other times, just to elaborate a little bit, sometimes you did play on the record, but you didn't write the songs. With Whitesnake, me and David co-wrote 30 songs together, and... We we played those songs live, and we, he he had had the band on hiatus, and he got me and Reb and Marco and Tommy to you know restart to you know to bring the band back, and so we worked hard and we toured and did something And I you know I told David, look, if we're going to take this further, we need some new music, and then we started writing. And so I never you know I could have been I could have felt like a hired gun for the for the first tours of White but I I definitely, after I left and when hired Gun Movie came out, I was definitely a full member of White Snake during that time, and I was David Cabriel's partner. And that's something that I'm really proud of, you know, that we created a lot of music together. Of course, record sales are are not what they were in the 80s. In fact, with the records that I wrote with David, they sold a lot more than probably records sell now because every year it gets less and less. But Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would never. I'd never consider myself a hired gun. You might. Some people might say that that's differently, but if you're writing and recording and and involved in, in, involved in you know every aspect of making sure that the band moves forward, that's different than just David Coverdale calling me going, "Okay, we're going to tour. Are you available?" It's like there was no question. I was available. I was in Whitesnake. Like I was working with him twenty four seven even when the band was off the road. So, um, but I, at the same time, I think Hired Gun is a cool movie and I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, it's a different time. You know, a lot of those guys in that movie are younger that they're younger than me and they're really great musicians and that's how they got noticed. And for me, I mean, to be really honest, I, 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 started i was self-taught it took me a long time to be able to do something that i that I felt good about that i was proud of and then once i did i, I did it the old-fashioned way we went, i went and got a band together and we hit the clubs and we played as much as we could and rehearsed every night and didn't have any money and you know little by little years and years and years and years finally i got a break and but the lion was a huge i mean even with lion that was like that was like a hard road, man. We we worked our asses off, and we didn't get you know that much. We definitely didn't make any money, really. We, you know, we were able to kind of get through, but I had to, I was teaching guitar at the same time. But I have no regrets about it. It's that's just the way I it's just the way I was. I just I worked hard at it because I loved it. I mean, look, look if if I forget what band it was, Alice Cooper. If Alice Cooper calls up. Um, say for example sure. a, a guitar player that maybe maybe a guy that's not that well known but maybe known in his area but he's, he's known as being a really great guitar player or even he doesn't have a band maybe he's just online and he does videos online or something and Alice Cooper calls him and goes hey man I, wanna, I want you to be my lead guitar player and I'm going to feature you on the road and I'm going to pay you you know $5,000 a week or whatever it is that's cool nothing wrong with that. That's, and right. and that, may, that may lead into something where they collaborate and write music and, you know, but maybe you'd start as a hired gun, but you'd end up as a, as a producer, you know, or something. So you never know. But I
2: like that movie. Okay, cool. Yeah. In your case, you end up being in a more collaborative situation every single time than, uh, part of that. Um. Well, the only one—the
1: only one that really uh,
2: you could see that people might say would say would be Whitesnake,
1: really. I mean, because that's because when I got hired to do that, it was like that kind of situation. It was like, "Hey, you're in deal," and I said, "I'm in deal. I got deal, Dio and deal's going out, taking a break." And basically, David said, "No problem. I'm only going to do two months. It's just a tour." And that, I guess, in you know te- technicality, then I was a hired gun at that point. But it was such a short amount of time before David and I just kind of sparked, and we we actually extended that tour by nine months. And I he he said, "Look, you got to decide: are you going to stay in D or are you going to be a snake full time?" And <laughs> so that's kind of you know what happened. But I love I, I love playing guitar. So if if Elton John or or whoever said, hey, man, would you come? You know, I do sessions for people, so that would be a hired gun. I played on Lady Gaga record once. That's probably a hired gun situation. Okay.
2: So you got to blend it both. For Revolution Saints, now, I've, you know, you're busy with the, the Daisies and, and things like that. Is there any plans on – is there going to be any time to, to actually tour?
1: Not, not really, no, because okay. Dead, Days, Dead Days is just full time. We're just getting geared up. We're finishing the record then we're starting, we're going to basically got a, a few surprises to, that are going to be announced soon that we'll be doing in, in April that are really extravagant traveling in terms of distances. <laughs> and then, it's coming out, it'll come out, but um, and then we're starting our tour and we've got, you know, brand new lineup and it's a, a fresh start. we got a we got to be full on all in and which we are. So, and, and to be honest, I've, I've explained this to a few people like, you know, a band like night ranger, if you, if Jack goes off and does a month tour, you know, it might make it difficult for Night ranger to, to, um, to go back to some of those areas just because it it, it does affect ticket sales. If they see you with, if they see, like for example, if I go and do a tour with Revolution Saints, when I go back, some Dead Days people will be like, "Hey, I already saw Doug. You know, I'm not going to go." And for Jack, there's there's so many more fans, and 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 also, you know, Night Ranger's got a lot of people that it supports. I mean, probably 50 people, 50 families earn their living from Night Ranger, maybe, and right, and they can't afford to have Jack Blades going off on tour, and. And the Dead Daisies employs a lot of people. So, you know, I'm not ready to, to step down from the Dead Daisies, so I want to be there, you know?
2: So for Revolution, you know, you heard back from a lot of fans and said, okay, if people like this, I want to do more, I'm encouraged to do more. So when you're looking at that, and like you said, it is your side project. What would you look at as a measure of success for, because you're not touring with it and things like that, like, like as yeah. you know, expected streams, or what are you looking for exactly? Um,
1: I'm just basically looking for people to, to like it and maybe have, um, you know, have it affect them in a good way somehow. I, I, mean, with a, with a project like that, basically, um, you're not doing it so much for the money. There's not, it's, you just basically, there's a, there's a budget to make the record. And so that you get paid for, you get paid for your time and you, and you, you know, some of us wrote a little bit here and there on the records um, but then that's it so without a tour, there's no real income. And so there's no, I mean, of course you want as many people to hear it and see it as possible. And, but the thing that really makes it worthwhile is, is when somebody says, man, I, I really, that, that, that record just, I'm, that's my favorite record of all, of all the ones you've done or whatever. Maybe it's, you know, like I say, it's, it's a different style of music than what's happening at the moment. It's kind of a throwback to the '80s, which is right. Um, you know, there's a lot of bands doing it, but we we have a good sound. It's kind of a unique sound that we have. It's kind of a mix of of you know a band like Journey and Whitesnake and, and and Night Ranger. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of got that those flavors to it, which is what the record company wanted, and and so it's fun to do you know that stuff because it's with with a band like the dead daisies we, we we go in a totally different direction that's um you know going back to our roots more than than back to the 80s so and then that becomes whatever it's going to sound like you know but uh, i hope that people enjoy it i hope it inspires some people and the one of the biggest compliments that i think you know somebody said as i mentioned was it makes me feel like I want to work out. I want to get in shape. And when I, when I listen to that music, I work harder. And that, that's really cool.
2: Yeah. So I, I'll give you some of that feedback there that you like. And that is that, that absolutely Rise and Higher, those two tracks that, uh, that got me right out the gate, those improved my mood and made me smile. So is that some of that success you're looking for? You... Yes, that is. That's very good. I'm
1: glad to hear that. And uh, I, look, I look, hope you know, other people feel the same way.
2: Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it very much.
1: All right, and, uh, Denny, thank you, brother. Really appreciate your yeah. time, and uh, look forward to uh, hopefully meeting you down the road this year.
2: Absolutely, I will. Uh, hopefully, so Dead Daisies has maybe a U.S. tour planned. Yeah, yes,
1: yeah, we do. I'm not sure right. what the markets are, but um, we're we're going exactly yet. But um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked at any of the tour dates yet. I just know that starting in in March, we're going to be in rehearsals, and and I'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Well, I hope there's a, I hope there's a Denver st- stop in
1: there. Uh, I I hope so too because we haven't been there at least not since really? I'm a band so, Nope. I hope so too. Yeah, yes, you I know go, you a, go check out the mountain. Absolutely, I would love to. You know, I I actually just took my family skiing and we had such a blast. And my wife is from Germany and she's like, "Is this like the biggest mountain in in the in the U.S.?" I'm like. It cal- this California hill this is not even the, the Rocky Mountains <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. she's, she's used to skiing in the Alps and stuff like that and I'm like this is, this is just a hill in California it's not like the Rocky Mountains you got to go to
2: Vale or one of those places Aspen that's right you, get, you have an excuse to get out here but so thank you Doug I appreciate All it right, very bro. much and again Revolution Saints rise out this January thank you sir sounds good sounds good brother thank you I'll talk to you soon
6: hey i'm back sorry about
3: that no not a problem at all i get it um hey before we get started i did want to uh kiss up to you just a little bit um uh in 85 i started playing guitar i think i was 14 and it was you and jake ely were like basically one a and one b for me and i I talked to jake about a year ago on the program so for what it's worth this is kind of a big deal for me (laughs) I'll, i'll try to keep it together oh man